you say this with me this morning? Would you say supernatural Christianity? Supernatural Christianity. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's try this again. Let's say it like we mean it. Can you do that? Supernatural Christianity. I began talking to you a few weeks ago about supernatural Christianity. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of John, the 14th chapter. And as you're turning there, let me greet our campuses today. I'm glad you're joining with us. We're believing for the power of the Word of God to permeate your life today, that you are going to receive the engrafted Word of the Lord. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and we're glad you're joining with us today. So let's get ready to receive what God is going to speak into each and every one of our lives. We began a few weeks ago talking about supernatural Christianity, about how that the mandate that Jesus Christ gave to the church was he started off with disciples and he said, here's what, here's what I want you to go to do. He said, here are your marching orders. I want you to go out. I want you to heal the sick. Pretty good orders, right? He said, I want you to cast out devils. Uh-oh. He said, I want you to cleanse the lepers. He said, and, and by the way, he said, I even want you to raise the dead. And then he went on to say, he said, freely you have received, now I want you to freely give. And so we saw that the Lord hasn't changed his mind. That what he began to tell us in the very beginning of the church age, he still wants to come to pass in this day and in this hour. And then last week we looked at the whole aspect of faith. We talked about seeing the unseen. That truly only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. Now, here's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk to you today about, uh, in this whole aspect of supernatural Christianity, I want to talk to you about operating in the supernatural. How can we as individual believers, how can we as Christians operate in this supernatural thing that Jesus Christ has given to unto us? Now, I want to tell you, God's bigger than you think that he is. God's greater than what you're facing. And so what we've got to do is move into the place where we are experiencing the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Would you look in the book of John, the 14th chapter, and look at verse number 12. Here's what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's pretty cool. I'll wait. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool stuff. Now, how many of you know Jesus did some pretty nifty things? I mean, Jesus starts his ministry off just messing up our world. He turns water into wine from the get-go. That won't mess up Christianity. I don't know what will. All right? You know, those of us who come from a, a pretty traditional background, that one always messes with us, and we try to explain it, but I don't have time to do that today. But, I mean, he starts off, it wasn't a need, it was a want, and Jesus did it. But we say, I mean, he, he raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He does all kind of powerful, miraculous things. And, and then he said to us, he said, now, by the way, guys, he said, all this stuff you see me do, this you will do also. And then he, he just, he just kind of hit the turbo button. He said, and greater things than this shall you do because I go to the Father. He said, not only are you going to accomplish what you have seen me accomplish, he said, you're going to do greater things. And I've had that explained in so many ways. Well, what Jesus meant by that was hubba, hubba, hubba. <laughs> what Jesus really meant, that, you know, if, if you would study the didactical teaching of the eschatological ramifications of the hermeneutical, whatever, whatever, huzza, huzza, huzzas, 
you would understand what he meant by that. What he meant by that is, is what you've seen me do, greater things than this shall you do because I go to the Father. That's what he meant. And, and so when, when we begin to operate in that, all of a sudden Christianity becomes exciting. See, here's what I think. I think too many of us stop before we get to dessert. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just the kind of guy, I don't care what I've got in front of me to eat. I don't care, you know, what, you know, meat and potatoes, lasagna, you know, fried steak. It doesn't matter, whatever it is, my, my thought is always on what's for dessert. Come on, is anybody else guilty of that? I mean, it's always like, okay, I like this, but, but what else have you got for me? And Christianity is not just about, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, Hallelujah. Well, that's great, but don't you think he wants you to have a little happiness down here, a little joy down here, a little excitement down here, a little supernatural Christianity down here? Uh, you know, and, and so the Lord lays it out, and he tells us, he, he says, you know what, I'm giving you this power. In fact, in the book of Acts, the first chapter, the eighth verse, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He, he says, Here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to bring about the power of the Holy Spirit into your life, and you're going to live this supernatural life. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I think it's time that the church just started doing the stuff. You know the stuff I'm talking about? Have, have you ever read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you've got one of those Bibles where they, they put the, the words of Jesus in red, and they do the thing? I think some of us need to start doing the red. I didn't say doing reds. I, I said we need, we need to start, you know, we, we need to start doing the stuff. We, we need to start doing what Jesus said we could do. So how do we go about it? In fact, I'm going to offer a class. The next time we do relevant class, I'm going to do, do a class on doing the stuff. All right, because some of you are so religious right now, I can tell. So I'm just going to talk to the camera. I, I just think it's time we did the stuff. We did the stuff of the Bible. I mean, Christianity is more than escaping hell and going to heaven. Christianity is about moving in a supernatural dimension that we can see the power of God. So how do we operate in the supernatural? In other words, how do we do the stuff? Well, there's some things I want to share with you today. The, the first one is, is in the book of Acts, the first chapter and the fifth verse. Here's, here's what the Lord said. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, now, Jesus is talking here to the disciples. In fact, at another point uh, in the book of John, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and so there's, there's this aspect. The first thing that needs to happen in our lives is, is that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's that kind of, you know, when you say that, people get tight. And because of maybe our tradition or our heritage or our religious background, we, we have a little trouble with some, some terminology. Let me just talk to you about out of the Word of God today. Can, can we all do each other a favor today? Let's lay aside our preconceived ideas and notions, and let's just look at what the Word of God says. All right? The Word of God lets us know clearly that these guys that he's talking to are believers. 
They've been walking with him for three and a half years. They've been doing some great and powerful things. And yet Jesus still looks at them and says, hey guys, John baptized with water, but you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then in the book of Acts, the 11th chapter, uh, the apostle Peter talking about this, he said, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's interesting. I don't know of any Christian church that does not believe in baptism in water. And yet the Word of God not only talks about baptism in water, it also talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'll give you more scripture, make you feel better. Acts 2.33 says, Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out that which you now see and here. This is the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, and he's talking to the crowd who has gathered in Jerusalem. He said, hey guys, this is what Jesus was talking about. What you are seeing and what you are hearing is this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, so often we kind of get caught up in this. Well, uh, you know, what does that mean? Does that, that mean I'm not a Christian? No, no, no. Listen, salvation is by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so when you come to Jesus Christ and you ask him into your life, you are moved from the kingdom of darkness and you move into the kingdom of God's dear son. But guess what? That's meat and potatoes. Then you follow him in the waters of baptism and you're baptized into his name and under his authority and, and you move forward in that. But there's still more. Jesus called it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter spoke about it. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about it in, in such a way when you read his writings. The Apostle Paul talks about the demonstration of the Spirit. I love that. I, I, I think we need some demonstration of the Spirit. I think when people walk away sometimes they, got, they, they have to go, I, I don't know what that was. Amen. I don't know how that happened. I don't understand how that took place, but I saw something happen today that was unusual. It is a demonstration of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul also talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. He talks about there being a releasing of the manifestation of the Spirit. In fact, at one point, he said, I, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then he said this. He said, I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in demonstration and in power. Now, that, that's pretty powerful stuff. And so when you begin to look at the aspect of the Holy Spirit, baptism, you begin to see, wait a minute, there is something that is demonstrable. There is something that is demonstrated in the life of a believer when they move into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, and again, because of our traditions and because we fought so many wars about things that we shouldn't be fighting about, we, we, we kind of put up barriers when we hear this. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. Jesus said it this way, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father give to you those who ask Him the Holy Spirit? There's a gift, there's a baptism, there's a subsequent to conversion experience uh, in your life. And, and so when you begin to study Scripture, you find that. 
You find that these guys, uh, the 12 apostles, and, and there's, there's a group more because we know on the day of Pentecost there's 120 people. Uh, the, the, the apostles are there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. On and on and on. People are there. And the Bible says when that happened, that suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake with tongues and magnified God. And the Bible says when they did that, this entire region turns out to say, what in the world is going on? We hear them speaking in our own language. It was a supernatural gift. In the book of Acts, the 8th chapter, the Word of God says that Philip goes to Samaria to preach Jesus Christ. A great revival breaks out in Samaria. And the Word of God says that they repented and that they were baptized. But the Scripture says, but as of yet, the Holy Spirit had come upon none of them. Wow. They repented. They moved into the kingdom. They were baptized. They're following Jesus. But as of yet, the Holy Spirit has not come upon any of them. They said they sent the apostles down who laid hands on them, and when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. That doesn't tell us what happened there, but it does tell us that there was such a move and a demonstration that Simon the sorcerer said, I want to buy that power. Now, I want to tell you, if you're wanting to buy some power, there's a demonstration going along with it. Acts, the 10th chapter, I'm, I'm just trying to settle this in your mind. The Bible says, let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Acts, the 10th chapter, Peter going to the household of Cornelius begins to preach. And as he preaches, the Bible says, as Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then Peter says a little bit later to the council at Jerusalem, he said, we know that they received the Holy Spirit as we did at the beginning because we heard them speak with tongues. Wow, I'm, I'm starting to pick up a consistency here. Acts, the 19th chapter, Paul, seeing certain disciples of John, said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? He said, you can be a believer and not have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, we don't know what you're talking about. He said, John baptized under repentance, saying there's one coming after him who's mightier, whose shoelaces, he's not worthy unloosed. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the Bible says that Paul took these disciples, these believers, baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus, laid hands on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now I want to tell you something. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something to shun. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is dessert. Whatever yours is, big, tall meringue, filled with chocolate, piping hot, whatever yours is, that's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. It is a gift of God that He releases to His people so that we may go forth and do works of the Spirit. The Word of God says it this way. It says, you shall receive power and you will be witnesses. Study the Scripture. They, it did not mean they were going to go out and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Watch it. Every time there is a revival in the book of Acts, what you find is, is that you find there is a miracle that precedes it. There's a lame man who walks. There's tongues that draws everybody around. <clears throat> there, there's, there's some kind of shadow falling and, and people being healed. Whatever it is, there is something taking place that produces a miracle that brings forth a revival, and that revival changes the entire world because the Bible says it's the ways. These are those who have turned the world upside down. 
I, I want to tell you, it's time for Love and Truth Churches to turn cities upside down. It's time for us to turn regions upside down. It's time for us to go into the world and turn the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're never going to do that with a good argument and good theology. We are only going to do that with a demonstration of the supernatural power of the Almighty God. That's how it's done and that's how it operates. So we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but we don't need to stop there. Secondly, we need to believe what the Word of God says. The book of Mark, the 16th chapter, says it this way. It's, and I'll just give you a little bit of it. It says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. I'm tired of believers following signs. Oh, there's something happening over here. I better run. No, no, no. The Bible says that signs ought to be following you, not the other way around. That there, there ought to be some things happening that people go, man, if you've got a need, if you've got a problem, if you've got a difficulty, if your marriage is in a mess, if your children need prayer, if, if there's something financially wrong, you, you need to go over there because every time that person goes somewhere, there's something happening around them. Well, I, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. I'm not trying to be rude, but, but if you don't believe the Bible, you're never going to do the supernatural. You can't do the stuff if you don't believe the book. But if you believe the Word, God's desire is for you to live in the supernatural. That's, it. That's His desire for believers to be supernatural and to move in the anointing and the power of the Spirit of God. So I've, I've got to get, in, get the Word and look at it and say, okay, I believe what the Word of God says. Thirdly, I've got to have confidence in God. I've got to know God's bigger than anything I'm facing. Do we still believe that? I mean, when we first got saved, we believed it. Some of us have been saved so long, we've forgotten what it's like to be lost. I mean, really. I mean, we've been around church all our lives, some of us. And when we first got saved, when we first came in the kingdom of God, God did such radical things for us. That we were just crazy passionate about Jesus. And we believed that God could do anything. And then as the years go by, we kind of, well, it's okay if he does and it's okay if he doesn't. Listen, I'm, I'm coming to the point that I'm getting desperate again saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm not going. I mean, I mean sometimes I'll be, you, you wonder what I do back here when I go behind the stage sometimes during some things. I, I'm back there saying, God, if you don't show up, I ain't going. Are you coming? Because if you're not coming, I'm not going out there. Because I can't face that bunch. They're scaring me. <laughs> oh, really? I'm serious. If, if God's not with me, I, you know, I don't want an angel. I don't want, you no, know, I want God. You know, I'm like Moses. One point, God told Moses, I'm going to send an angel. Moses said, if you ain't going, I'm not going. Amen. All right, I don't know if he said ain't, but he said, if you're not going, I'm not going. <laughs> All right? And, and so you, you've got to have confidence in God. The book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse, you know it well. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, Peter and John believe that. Scripture says in the third chapter of the book of Acts that on their way to prayer one day, lame guy laying there said, give me some money. He said, don't have any, but here's what we've got. What we do have, we give in the name of Jesus. Get up. The Scripture says he rose up and was healed instantly. God touched him. Why? Because they had confidence in the Lord God Almighty. You and I have got to get some confidence in God. The fourth thing you've got to do is you've got to be persistent. Just write it down. You've got to be persistent. 
I won't read this, but you can read it when you get home. The book of Mark, the 8th chapter, uh, in the 22nd verse and on through there, Jesus sees a man at the pool of Bethesda, and, and he, he lays hands on him and prays for him. And when he prays for this guy, he says, hey, how you doing? I think that's a pretty good question. How you doing? And the guy says, well, he said he, he was a blind man. He says, uh, you know what? Right now, I see men moving like trees. Well, now I want to tell you, if you were blind and you can now see men moving like trees, that's pretty good. Right? Come on, if there's somebody in here blind today and we prayed for them, they say, well, I can't see real clearly, but we'd, I mean, we'd turn the building upside down. Jesus said, that's not good enough. He lays hands on him again. He said, how do you see? He said, now I can see clearly. See, even Jesus, do, do you realize who this was? I mean, the Bible says the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelt in Jesus Christ. He had to be persistent. If Jesus had to be persistent, don't you think you have to be persistent? Well, I, I, I might mess up. Well, look up here a second. All of you watching, listen to me. Not you might mess up, you will mess up. Listen, it can, you can't do any worse than I have. You say, what do you mean? I have prayed for people who died. That's why most of you don't call me. No, literally. I mean, I, I, don't, mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I have had my hand on, on people's bodies, and I've been saying, in the name of Jesus, you're healed, and they took their last breath while my hand was on their body. Now, you, you can't fail any greater than that. All right? You know what? You think I'm going to quit praying for sick people? No way. Next person comes to me and needs to be prayed for. I'm going to pray for them. Why? Because I'm not going to let discouragement stop me from believing what God's Word says. I am going to be persistent knowing that God is greater than anything I have experienced. I refuse to allow my paradigm of what I have experienced to keep God boxed into some little two-by-four God when He is greater than all of the universe. And so I, I've just chosen, you know what? I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to speak the Word. I'm going to hear the Word. I'm going to live the Word. If the Word says it, let's go for it. Let's, let's just declare it. Let's speak it. Let's proclaim it. Let's get it out there. And guess what? When God shows up, it's powerful. You say, well, why doesn't God always answer immediately? Because he's God. He's not a toy. You know, he's, he's not a, a slot machine. If you put the right coin in, the right combination, pull it, it spits out what you want. But you know what? Sometimes God does answer immediately. But it takes a while to get to you. The book of Daniel tells us that Daniel starts praying to God. He's got a need. He's got a problem. I mean, he's facing some big stuff. And the Scripture says he prays one day, five days, ten days, 18 days, 20 days. Nothing happens. But on the 21st day, an angel of the Lord stood before him and said, Daniel, the first day you prayed. I was dispatched from heaven with the answer. But there's been some warfare in the heavenlies. But I want you to understand that God sent an answer the day you prayed. What if he had quit on day number 20? 
He would have never received the revelation that he was looking for. Listen, you've got to be persistent. Is it possible that your prayer that you've been praying, some of you for six weeks, some of you for six years, some of you for ten years, is it possible that there is warfare going on in the heavenlies, that God has sent the answer, but it just hasn't got here yet, and you can have it if you'll just be persistent and just keep on keeping on and believing that he's going to show up. Last and final thing is this, feed your faith, not your doubts. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I, I want to help you right now. If everything's going wonderful in your life, You don't have to worry about a whole lot. But if you're up against some things, if you're needing the supernatural power of God, you may have to get some things out of your life for a while. You you may have to turn some media off for a while. You, You may have to lay aside some things you've been reading for a while and get in the Word. You may, oh, here we go. You may even have to get off Facebook for two or three weeks. Because I want to tell you, when you are in the midst of a battle, when you are in the midst of a struggle, you don't need all that negative junk in your life. You need to be feeding your faith. You need to be feeding your, your you know, inward person, not the outward person. You need to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, I am going to get in contact with God Almighty. You, you know what? I, I challenge you to sit down in one reading, give yourself a couple of hours one day, block yourself some time, hire a babysitter, call grandma and take the kids and drop them, <laughs> whatever you got to do, and get the Word of God and sit down and read the book of Acts. Read Acts from the first chapter to the last verse, and I promise you, you will look at Christianity different than you ever have before. Now, I'm not saying you haven't read the book of Acts. You read a little bit here and you read a little bit. I'm talking about reading it from Acts 1 all the way to the end in one setting and see if that does not charge you spiritually to begin to believe God for supernatural things. Because what you are doing is that you're feeding your faith. Secondly, hang out with people who are full of faith. Now, listen, if everything's wonderful, you can afford to have a few negative people in your life. You know, everything's great, good. Have some negative Nellies and, you know, whatever in your life. But, but if you're facing something that you need a miracle, you, you just need to look at that person and say, you know what, I can't hang with you right now. I, I, I've got to get somebody who's going to speak some faith into my life. I, I mean, I, I wonder sometimes how people uh, d- don't just lose their ever-loving mind by the friends that they have in their life. I mean, I, I look at some people and I go, that's your closest friends? And you wonder why you're always depressed? And you wonder why you don't have faith and you don't see the power of God moving on your behalf? Let me help you. Well, if they call, i got to answer. No, 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 no. That's why God created the whole thing that you can see. It's called caller ID. God himself created that. Now, I know he gave it to somebody, but he 
He created that. And when you see negative whoever, you go, not receiving that today. <laughs> Reject. Come on. You want to move in the supernatural? You want to soar with eagles and hang out with buzzards? <laughs> Won't work. Get them out of your life. Pastor, I'm married to them. Get them saved. <laughs> Not calling for divorce. Don't misquote, Pastor. And lastly, in this whole thing, I'm going to close. Rehearse the great things God has done. There's, there's a wonderful verse in the Old Testament that says, And David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's wonderful. You read, oh, isn't that wonderful? But you need to read the setting. Because the setting is, is that David and his men have gone to battle. And while they have gone to battle, they have worn themselves out. And while they've been gone, all of their children, all of their wives, all of their stuff has been taken into captivity. And so they get back, and when they get there, the Word of God says that David's own men were ready to kill him. And that's where you read, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Here's what I think David did. My, my sermon, my interpretation. I think David said, <clears throat> you guys hang here, I'll be back. And I think he went on the other side of a hill somewhere, and I think he found his harp. And I think he began to sing some songs that he had written out following the sheep. And then I think he began to tell God, God, I remember the day that the bear came out. And, and I remember the spirit of the Lord that came upon me as I grabbed that bear and I tore him apart. And Lord, I remember the day that the lion came out against me. And Lord, I remember that same anointing that came upon me. And God, I remember the day that Goliath came against me, but your anointing came upon me. And I took one smooth stone and I slew him. And Lord, and, and all of a sudden, that depression, that oppression, all that mess that was trying to kill David leaves him. And he walks back to his men and he says, come on, guys, we are going to recover everything that the enemy has taken from us. Some of us need to understand that we've got to come to the place that we are saying, Lord, I remember when you healed my baby. I remember when you delivered me out of oppression. I remember the day that you saved me. I remember praying for this situation and you came through. And God, I may not be on the mountaintop today. I may be suffering some inequities in my life. But God, I know that if you did it once, you are still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power of the Holy Spirit that works in me. And you know what? Then you can start doing the stuff. Then you can start doing everything that God's called you to do. Because you know what? We are called to live in a place of supernatural Christianity. And he wants us, every believer, every person listening to me today, every person hearing me today, if you are a believer, he wants you to do the stuff. He wants you to operate in his anointing.
and in his power. That's what he wants. And that's his desire for all of our lives.